Chapter Seven of Ruth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Lyons. Ruth by Elizabeth Cleghorn Gaskell. Chapter Seven: The Crisis, Watching and Waiting. Ruth put away every thought of the past or future, everything that could unfit her for the duties of the present. Exceeding love supplied the place of experience. She never left the room after the first day. She forced herself to eat because his service needed her strength. She did not indulge in any tears because the weeping she longed for would make her less able to attend upon him. She watched and waited and prayed, prayed with an utter forgetfulness of self, only with a consciousness that God was all-powerful, and that he whom she loved so much needed the aid of the Mighty One. Day and night, the summer night, seemed merged into one. She lost count of time in the hushed and darkened room. One morning Mrs. Morgan beckoned her out, and she stole on tiptoe into the dazzling gallery, on one side of which the bedrooms opened. "'She's come,' whispered Mrs. Morgan, looking very much excited and forgetting that Ruth had never heard that Mrs. Bellingham had been summoned. "'Who is come?' asked Ruth. The idea of Mrs. Mason flashed through her mind, but with a more terrible because a more vague dread she heard it was his mother the mother of whom he had always spoken as a person whose opinion was to be regarded more than that of any other individual what must i do will she be angry with me said she relapsing into her childlike dependence on others and feeling that even mrs morgan was some one to stand between her and mrs bellingham mrs morgan herself was a little perplexed her morality was rather shocked at the idea of a proper real lady like mrs bellingham discovering that she had winked at the connection between her son and ruth she was quite inclined to encourage Ruth in her inclination to shrink out of Mrs. Bellingham's observation, an inclination which arose from no definite consciousness of having done wrong, but principally from the representations she had always heard of the lady's awfulness. Mrs. Bellingham swept into her son's room as if she were unconscious what poor young creature had lately haunted it, while Ruth hurried into some unoccupied bedroom, and, alone there, she felt her self-restraint suddenly give way, and burst into the saddest, most utterly wretched weeping she had ever known. She was worn out with watching and exhausted by passionate crying and she lay down on the bed and fell asleep. The day passed on. She slumbered unnoticed and unregarded. She awoke late in the evening with a sense of having done wrong in sleeping so long. The strain upon her responsibility had not yet left her. Twilight was closing fast around. She waited until it had become night, and then she stole down to Mrs. Morgan's parlour. 
"'If you please, may I come in?' asked she. Jenny Morgan was doing up the hieroglyphics which she called her accounts. She answered sharp enough, but it was a permission to enter, and Ruth was thankful for it. "'Will you tell me how he is? Do you think I may go back to him?' "'No, indeed, that you may not. Nest, who has made his room tidy these many days, is not fit to go in now. Mrs. Bellingham has brought her own maid, and the family nurse, and Miss bellingham's man such a tribe of servants and no end to packages water-beds coming but by the carrier and a doctor from london coming down to-morrow as if feather-beds and mr jones was not good enough why she won't let a soul of us into the room there's no chance for you ruth sighed how is he she inquired after a pause how can i tell indeed when i am not allowed to go near him Mr. Jones said to-night was a turning-point, but I doubt it, for it is four days since he was taken ill, and who ever heard of a sick person taking a turn on an even number of days? It is all way on the third or the fifth or the seventh, and so on. He'll not turn till to-morrow night, take my word for it, and their fine London doctor will get all the credit, and honest Mr. Jones will be thrown aside. I don't think he will get better myself, though— Gelert does not howl for nothing. My patience, what's the matter with the girl? Lord, child, you're never going to faint. And be ill on my hands. Her sharp voice recalled Ruth from the sick unconsciousness that had been creeping over her as she listened to the latter part of this speech. She sat down and could not speak. The room whirled round and round. Her white feebleness touched mrs morgan's heart you've had tea i guess indeed and the girls are very careless she rang the bell with energy and seconded her pull by going to the door and shouting out sharp directions in welsh to nest and gwen and the three or four other rough kind slatternly servants they brought her tea, which was comfortable according to the idea of comfort prevalent in that rude, hospitable place. There was plenty to eat, too much, indeed, for it revolted the appetite it was intended to provoke. But the heartiness with which the kind rosy waiter pressed her to eat, and the scolding Mrs. Morgan gave her when she found the buttered toast untouched, toast on which she herself desired that the butter might not be spared, did Ruth more good than the tea. She began to hope, and to long for the morning when hope might have become certainty. It was all in vain that she was told that the room she had been in all day was at her service. She did not say a word, but she was not going to bed that night of all nights in the year when life or death hung trembling in the balance. She went into the bedroom, till the bustling house was still, and heard busy feet passing to and fro into the room she might not enter, and voices imperious, though hushed down to a whisper, ask for innumerable things. Then there was silence, and when she thought that all were dead asleep except the watchers, she stole out into the gallery. On the other side were two windows, cut into the thick stone wall, and flower-pots were placed on the shelves thus formed, 
where great untrimmed straggling geraniums grew and strove to reach the light the window near mr bellingham's door was open the soft warm scented night air came sighing in in faint gusts and then was still it was summer there was no black darkness in the twenty-four hours only the light grew dusky and colour disappeared from objects of which the shape and form remained distinct a soft grey oblong of barred light fell on the flat wall opposite to the windows and deeper grey shadows marked out the tracery of the plants more graceful thus than in reality ruth crouched where no light fell she sat on the ground close by the door her whole existence was absorbed in listening all was still it was only her heart beating with the strong heavy regular sound of a hammer she wished she could stop its rushing incessant clang she heard a rustle of a silken gown and knew it ought not to have been worn in a sick-room for her senses seemed to have passed into the keeping of the invalid and to feel only as he felt the noise was probably occasioned by some change of posture in the watcher inside for it was once more dead still the soft wind outside sank with a low long distant moan among the windings of the hills and lost itself there and came no more again but ruth's heart beat loud she rose with as little noise as if she were a vision and crept to the open window to try and lose the nervous listening for the ever-recurring sound out beyond under the calm sky veiled with a mist rather than with a cloud rose the high dark outlines of the mountains shutting in that village as if it lay in a nest they stood like giants solemnly watching for the end of earth and time here and there a black round shadow reminded ruth of some come or hollow where she and her lover had rambled in sun and in gladness she then thought the land enchanted into everlasting brightness and happiness she fancied then that into a region as lovely no bale or woe could enter but would be charmed away and disappear before the sight of the glorious guardian mountains now she knew the truth that earth has no barrier which avails against agony it comes lightning-like down from heaven and into the mountain house and into the town garret and into the palace and into the cottage the garden lay close under the house a bright spot enough by day for in that soil whatever was planted grew and blossomed in spite of neglect the white roses glimmered out in the dusk all the night through the red were lost in shadow between the low boundary of the garden and the hills swept one or two green meadows ruth looked into the grey darkness till she traced each separate wave of outline then she heard a little restless bird chirp out its wakefulness from a nest in the ivy round the walls of the house but the mother bird spread her soft feathers and hushed it into silence presently however many little birds began to scent the coming dawn and rustled among the leaves and chirruped loud and clear 
just above the horizon too the mist became a silvery gray cloud hanging on the edge of the world presently it turned shimmering white and then in an instant in it flushed into rose and the mountain top sprang into heaven and bathed in the presence of the shadow of god with a bound the sun of a molten fiery red came over above the horizon and immediately thousands of little birds sang out for joy and a soft chorus of mysterious glad murmurs came forth from the earth the low whispering wind left its hiding-place among the clefts and hollows of the hills and wandered among the rustling herbs and trees waking the flower-buds to the life of another day ruth gave a sigh of relief that the night was over and gone for she knew that soon suspense would be ended and the verdict known whether for life or for death she grew faint and sick with anxiety it almost seemed as if she must go into the room and learn the truth then she heard movements but they were not sharp nor rapid as if prompted by any emergency then again it was still she sat curled up upon the floor with her head thrown back against the wall and her hands clasped round her knees she had yet to wait meanwhile the invalid was slowly rousing himself from a long deep sound health-giving sleep his mother had sat by him the night through and was now daring to change her position for the first time she was even venturing to give directions in a low voice to the old nurse who had dozed away in an armchair ready to obey any summons of her mistress mrs bellingham went on tiptoe toward the door and chiding herself because her stiff weary limbs made some slight noise she had an irrepressible longing for a few minutes change of scene after her night of watching she felt that the crisis was over and the relief to her mind made her conscious of every bodily feeling and irritation which had passed unheeded as long as she had been in suspense she slowly opened the door ruth sprang upright at the first sound of the creaking handle her very lips were stiff and unpliable with the force of the blood which rushed to her head it seemed as if she could not form words she stood right before mrs bellingham how is he madam mrs bellingham was for a moment surprised at the white apparition which seemed to rise out of the ground but her quick proud mind understood it all in an instant this was the girl then whose profligacy had led her son astray had raised up barriers in the way of her favourite scheme of his marriage with miss duncombe nay this was the real cause of his illness his mortal danger at the present time and of her bitter keen anxiety if under any circumstances mrs bellingham could have been guilty of the ill-breeding of not answering a question it was now and for a moment she was tempted to pass on in silence ruth could not wait she spoke again for the love of god madam speak how is he will he live if she did not answer her she thought the creature was desperate enough to force her way into his room so she spoke he has slept well he is better 
"'Oh, my God, I thank thee,' murmured Ruth, sinking back against the wall. It was too much to hear this wretched girl thanking God for her son's life, as if, in fact, she had any lot or part in him, and to dare to speak to the Almighty on her son's behalf. Mrs. Bellingham looked at her with cold, contemptuous eyes, whose glances were like ice-bolts, and made Ruth shiver up away from them. "'Young woman, if you have any propriety or decency left, I trust that you will not dare to force yourself into his room.' She stood for a moment as if awaiting an answer, and half expecting it to be a defiance. But she did not understand Ruth. She did not imagine the faithful trustfulness of her heart. Ruth believed that, if Mr. Bellingham were alive and likely to live, all was well. When he wanted her, he would send for her, ask for her, yearn for her, till every one would yield before his steadfast will. At present she imagined that he was probably too weak to care or know who was about him, and though it would have been an infinite delight to her to hover and brood around him, yet it was of him she thought, and not of herself. She gently drew herself to one side to make way for Mrs. Bellingham to pass. By and by Mrs. Morgan came up. Ruth was still near the door, from which it seemed as if she could not tear herself away. "'Indeed, miss, and you must not hang about the door in this way. It is not pretty manners. Mrs. Bellingham has been speaking very sharp and cross about it, and I shall lose the character of my inn if people take to talking as she does. Did I not give you a room last night to keep in, and never to be seen or heard of? And did I not tell you what a particular lady Mrs. Bellingham was?' But you must come out here right in her way. Indeed, it was not pretty, nor grateful to me, Jenny Morgan, and that I must say. Ruth turned away like a chidden child. Mrs. Morgan followed her to her room, scolding as she went, and then, having cleared her heart after her want by uttering hasty words, her real kindness made her add in a softened tone, you step up here like a good girl. I'll send you your breakfast by and by, and let you know from time to time how he is. And you can go out for a walk, you know. But if you do, I'll take it as a favor if you'll go out by the side door. It will, maybe, save scandal. All that day long, Ruth kept herself close prisoner in the room to which Mrs. Morgan accorded her. All that day and many succeeding days. But at nights, when the house was still, and even the little brown mice had gathered up the crumbs and darted back again to their holes, Ruth stole out and crept to his door to catch, if she could, the sound of his beloved voice. She could tell by its tones how he felt, and how he was getting on, as well as any of the watchers in the room. She yearned and pined to see him once more, but she had reasoned herself down into something like patience when he was well enough to leave his room, when he had not always one of the nurses with him, then he would send for her, and she would tell him how very patient she had been for his dear sake. But it was long to wait, even with this thought of the manner in which the waiting would end. Poor Ruth! Her faith was only building up vain castles in the air. 
they towered up into heaven it is true but after all they were but visions end of chapter seven